The old pilot's plain tales. Pie in the sky. One of the very few genuine SE-5A fighters left in the world has been dangling from the rafters of the Science Museum in London since 1939. But a fighter with no guns and a civilian livery always has a tale to tell. In the days immediately before World War I, an accidental discovery was made. If low-viscosity oil inadvertently found its way into a hot exhaust, it would vaporise, creating a vast and dense cloud of white smoke without any real detriment to the engine. In these early days of flight, any such discovery was investigated for its possible usefulness in war. In this case, smoke signals to ground troops or a defensive fog to confuse attackers was thought possible. An aspiring aviation engineer at the time was one John Clifford Savage. Born in 1891 and apprenticed to Claude Graham White in 1909, Savage had a flair for the theatrical and broke off his engineering career in order to become the manager and agent to B.C. Hux, the first Englishman to loop the loop. It was not until the early days of peace that the idea of making smoke trails was revived. During the war, Savage had been a lieutenant in the Royal Naval Flying Service, rising to become a major in the newly formed Royal Air Force. But with the onset of peace, he was wondering what to do with his future. He tried his hand at being a journalist, writing for the Flight magazine under the nom de plume oh so blue, but that lacked a certain je ne sais quoi. By 1921, Mad Jack Savage had revisited the idea of producing smoke and experimented with making first shapes and then letters in the air and the art of skywriting was born. There is some small controversy as to whether Jack was the very first skywriter, since a certain American aviator was thought to have produced some airborne writing back in 1915 during the marvellous Panama Pacific International Exposition in San Francisco, California. The exposition was a huge affair, designed to showcase all that was best in the United States. The centrepiece was the Tower of Jewels, which rose to 435 feet and was constructed from thousands of glass Nova gems, which sparkled during the day and were illuminated by over 50 powerful searchlights at night. There were displays of agriculture, art, manufacture, food education, industry and transport, to name just a few. Lincoln Beachy, a pioneer American aviator and barnstormer who had become famous and wealthy from his flying exhibitions, was due to put on a display, but sadly, in front of a crowd of 250,000, his aircraft broke up during a loop and he was killed in the subsequent crash. In his place, an airman called Art Smith took to the air and after a series of breathtaking stunts was credited with writing 
good night with fireworks attached to his wings at the conclusion of his displays. However, sadly, there is little or no mention of it in any histories written about him. Back in the United Kingdom, the entrepreneurial Jack Savage had been in search of aircraft fit for the job of skywriting, and he settled on the Royal Aircraft Factory SE-5A. This was not the most agile fighter of the war, but unlike the Sopwith Camel, it had a Wolseley Viper V8 engine that was easy to fix and which had a sizable pair of exhaust pipes. In addition, the aircraft were in plentiful supply. More than 2,500 of them had been sitting around since the end of the war and they were cheap and easy to buy. Savage grabbed 33 of these unwanted fighters and converted them into bespoke skywriting aircraft at his Hendon premises. When selling his services in later years, Savage declared that, as a wartime fighter, the SE-5A was considerably stronger than was needed to endure the stresses of skywriting. He modified the machines by extending the exhaust pipes through a hole cut in the tail, which, suitably lagged with asbestos, acted as the nib for Savage's aerial pen, and rechristened the aircraft the Savage Woolsey SE-5A. The smoke-generating oil was stored in front of the cockpit where the machine gun previously sat, and was delivered by a new control on the instrument panel, whilst the pilot's headrest was removed in order to grant a better rearward view. Finally, the old drab camouflage of dark olive and cream linen was replaced by an all-over silver finish. Savage's inventiveness caused a sensation when his skywriting SE-5A made its very first public debut at the 1922 Epsom Derby. A bumper crowd for one of the biggest racing weekends of the year were enthralled as the silver speck 10,000 feet above them spelt out Daily Mail in vast white letters, which the newspaper later claimed was the greatest single development in outdoor advertising, and that Everyone within the area of 100 square miles, and there were millions, gazed spellbound at this fascinating sight. It was certainly a hit with the public, and the advertisers as well. Among those in the VIP enclosure at Epsom were none other than the leading novelist of the day, Virginia Woolf, who used a description of the occasion in her very next book. Flushed with success, Savage shipped one of his aircraft to the USA, with another ex-RAF pilot, Cyril Turner at the controls, Savage's SE-5A carefully wrote, Hello USA, in the sky above New York. The following day, the silver speck reappeared, writing, Call Vanderbilt 7100. The number put potential advertisers through to the hotel where Savage was staying, and the demand for his $1,000 service was insatiable. The New York Times wrote that, 
hovering in his plane over Times Square and other points over the city, he aroused the curiosity of many by smoke-casting a telephone number, asking those who could read to call up. The number was that of a hotel whose press agent promptly issued a statement that 47,000 calls of inquiry had been received. Savage's business thrived on both sides of the Atlantic. His 33 fighter aircraft were equipped with radios so he could give personal instructions to the men at the controls while they laboured away. The biggest European success for Savage's skywriters came in 1928 when he was employed to promote the Purcell brand of detergents. The response was swift and impressive. The Purcell script stood a heroic one mile tall and stretched a full four miles across the sky. Some 45 million cubic feet of smoke had to be generated in order to make the letters. The pilots also had to fly their route in reverse, no easy task, so that it could be read from below, something that took many rehearsals of the complex manoeuvres until they became second nature. The campaign was such a success that for decades many European countries would call a cloudless sky a Purcell sky. From the North Sea to the Mediterranean, whenever there was a sunny afternoon, people would glance up to see if a flashing silver dot would appear and make its magical message above them. Although his fleet of SE-5As grew tired, Savage stayed in business until 1939, but one by one the old fighters were pensioned off, usually going to breakers' yards, but not always. In 1934, two of his aircraft registered Golf Echo Bravo India Alpha and Golf Echo Bravo India Charlie went to new homes and they can now be seen resplendent in their wartime specifications in the RAF Museum Hendon and the Shuttleworth Collection at Old Warden. By the 1st of June 1939, only one aircraft was left in Savage's keeping. He sat down with one of his last sheets of headed paper and wrote a note to the Science Museum in South Kensington. Dear Sir, I have one genuine wartime SE-5A aeroplane left out of a considerable number I used to own. I cannot remember whether the museum has a specimen of this really rather historic type of aeroplane, and if it has not... I will be only too pleased to present the museum, the machine to which I have referred above. Yours faithfully, J.C. Savage. This kind offer was of course accepted, and so Golf Echo Bravo India Bravo has been preserved intact. Not only as an example of this legendary fighter of World War I, but also as an icon of the advertising industry. As for Major Savage, he had already added another invention to his CV, the crop-spraying aeroplane, which found tremendous use in the USA and Australia in particular. 
As the Second World War approached, he used his engineering knowledge to found Savage and Parsons Limited, which developed an array of sound locators and searchlights, including the Lee Light anti-submarine technology, which was to prove vital in World War II. Jack Savage died in September 1945, but he left a remarkable legacy to the world of aviation. Of the six genuine SE-5A aircraft still in existence, three are ex-Savage machines. And while the silver example which hangs in the Science Museum may not be the first thing to catch one's eye, it's certainly worth a second look. Of course, the world of skywriting didn't die with Jack Savage. Many major companies saw messages in the sky as a great way to reach an audience of thousands. So brands like Ford, Chrysler and Lucky Strike Tobacco were having their names emblazoned across the skies of America. Television soon eclipsed the reach of the skywriters, but it remained an important way to attract an audience to events such as air shows and festivals. But the skills required to make legible words using a single aircraft were considerable. Much planning had to go into each letter, and it had to be flown with great precision and skill, turning the smoke on and off with very precise timing, and the pilot required superb spatial awareness, not something that was easily found amongst those willing to take on such a job. The answer was a new form of writing that those of you old enough to remember how a dot matrix printer works will easily understand. The modern equivalent of the aerobatic manoeuvres and tight turns of the skywriters is to fly straight and level and let a computer do the job. Sky typing uses the same basic equipment but with a fleet of at least five aircraft flying in close formation. The letters are formed by each aircraft delivering a single puff of smoke at a precise point as calculated by the computer. With each aircraft delivering their dots in perfect synchronicity, the letters, words and even entire sentences are formed. It's even possible to alter the prose almost immediately as events change, like a huge version of the ticker tape display in Times Square. It can be quite costly to pay for a formation of five aircraft to deliver your message, so a considerably cheaper version is the well-known flying banner. I say well-known as there are many, many pilots sitting proudly in the seats of airliners all over the world who built their hours to gain that treasured airline transport pilot certificate by droning up and down the beaches of Florida pulling an advertising banner for Joe's Diner or Slick Sam's Second-Hand Car Sales. Other flying advertisements are attached to helicopters and even aerostats, blimps or airships depending on their construction, which can not only carry a huge logo painted on the side, hands up who hasn't seen the Goodyear blimp, but can also carry vast electronic boards which can flash up messages at will. Hot air balloons have been made in a variety of forms, like two enormous cartoon bees to advertise a furniture removal firm in Australia, 
and a vast pair of flying underpants emblazoned with paddy power, just to name two. Other technologies available for the discerning advertiser, including flogos. These are made from a soapy bubble foam, constructed from water and helium plus magic ingredients and pressed into the shape of a letter or logo and then pumped into the sky to spell out words or just display a shape. More recently, quadcopter drones bearing bright lights were used to create complex coordinated displays in what has been described as flocking or swarming behaviour. In 2018, 1,218 drones were used in a performance during the opening of the Winter Olympics in South Korea, and the same technology was used to put an enormous W into the sky over Los Angeles to mark the release of the Wonder Woman movie. Perhaps the oldest type of flying advert still used to this day are kites. This stretches back to ancient China's fabled use of kites to send political or military messages and religious celebration symbols. In contrast, possibly the most modern is the use of flight tracking software, such as Flight Tracker and Flight Radar 24, other applications are available, which pilots have used to draw virtual messages in the sky, the results of which are then posted onto social media. Many have spelt out words, one recently being spring, with a picture of a tulip, Another pilot, presumably building ours, wrote, I'm bored, and added a couple of graffiti images more often found on toilet doors, something that the Navy had already done with contrails. Out of interest, smiley faces, hearts, political messages, etc. have all littered the skies over the world, except those of the United Kingdom. Skywriting in the United Kingdom has apparently been illegal since the 1930s, when a law was passed which prevented aerial advertising in UK airspace. It was enacted following the aerial dropping of fascist propaganda leaflets over London during World War II. Although the Civil Aviation Authority and the Department of Trade have now approved the activity, the law has yet to be ratified by Parliament. Whatever message you may want to write in the sky, it can be a great way to attract attention. Not all have gone well, though. Marriage proposals have been made with skywriting. Some followed a few days later with the emphatic message, No. One skywriter with a sense of humour wrote, How do I land? With another on the same theme writing, O-S-H-I, before the trail wriggled earthwards and disappeared. Someone with a message to send wrote, Go F, I can't really finish that word, but he did, yourself. One unintentional crudity occurred when Happy Birthday, Clint, written in capital letters, said something completely different when the L and the I of Clint sadly merged into a single letter. Skywriting has reached the record books as well. 
in 2012 over San Francisco and again in 2014 over Austin, Texas, the largest piece of artwork ever created was visible. It was the mathematical constant defined as the ratio of a circle's circumference to its diameter, calculated to 1,000 decimal places. Each number was a quarter of a mile high, and the string of numbers was produced in a huge loop 100 miles long. It was, of course, pie in the sky. If you enjoyed the story, then please do us a favour and leave a review at Apple Podcasts. Our Plain Tales is a featured segment of the Airline Pilot Guy show. Find us at airlinepilotguy.com. Thank you.